0: Welcome to Warnsville Reaching New Heights. I'm your host, June Scharf, and one of the things I really like about this podcast is that there's a certain random nature to the topics we discuss, and today's guest certainly um, elevates that level of randomness. My guest is Carrie Penny, and she's the business manager for Cowan's Auctions. So this is an auction house that deals on a national and international scale. They have a satellite office here in Warrensville Heights, and their main office is in Cincinnati. They specialize in Native American art and pieces from the Civil War. But they'll also consider any items that could be of great value. For those who have a passion surrounding antiques, you should definitely know that the principal auctioneer and owner of Cowan's is Wes Cowan, and he's a frequent appraiser on the Antiques Roadshow TV show. He also appeared in a PBS show called History Detectives. Now, even if you're not into antiques, what I think everyone is interested in is stories. And Carrie has incredible stories surrounding a lot of the items that come through her door. And she shares plenty of them. So please enjoy this very interesting conversation with Carrie Pinney. Carrie Pinney, I want to welcome you to the podcast Thank you. You are the business manager for Cowan's Auctions here in Warrensville Heights. Yes, I am. We're very lucky to have you here because the work that you do um, crosses a lot of uh, boundaries and uh, state lines and um, we could say countries lines. You're international. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty exciting. Um, So you are one of the country's largest auction firms. Um, international buyers as I said but you're actually headquartered in Cincinnati and this is your Cleveland office which is more specifically your Warrensville Heights office and um, so you're serving this this market with with your office Um, and then just so listeners um, understand a little more bit more about what you do uh, you have modern and contemporary art along with native Indian artwork that's Mm -hmm. kind of the product line we could say well we always tell people
1: we do pretty much anything except for baseball cards and stamps okay So we cover a variety of different items and then we have different themed auctions throughout the year okay. so the top three categories that we're really known for nationally and internationally are The American Indian art, which you mentioned, Mm -hmm. um, our historic firearms and military items, and then also our American history. We're, you know, some of the top in the country for those. So what
0: qualifies as American history?
1: American history, those auctions will typically include anything from antique photographs, so the old tintypes that were printed on metal, Mm -hmm. um, amber types. Those sorts of early photographs where people had to sit very still for a long period of time. <laughs> right. Yeah, those sorts of things. A lot of Civil War related items, people mm-hmm. are very interested in that. That's a very hot collecting market. And Is that th- right now or has it traditionally it's always been there? Traditionally. Okay. And it, it maintains a really strong collecting market. We're starting to see more interest in some of the later war periods World War One, World War II, mm-hmm. um, Vietnam, things like that. But Civil War has always had just such a strong base of people that are fascinated in it that we are really have built our reputation on that that's you know the history is how we got started as a company starting with selling um, antique photographs. How
0: old is the company?
1: We've been around for over 20 years okay. um, so we've had the office up here in Cleveland for it's gonna be five years next month in nice. uh, May.
0: And then the auctions are both online and live so right. we, when uh-huh. you say online it's like a webcast you see the auctioneer you don't see the auctioneer. No. Okay. Um, what we
1: do is since it's you know, it's not so much about us, it's about the item that we're selling. Yeah. So when you're watching it online, we have a team of photographers that take professional pictures of things. You're going to see a nice image of that painting, um, that photograph, that um, you know, Civil War item that you're buying. Mm-hmm. So you'll see that image, and then you can watch as other people bid on it. Okay, so it's, it's updated
0: just instantly right Right. yeah the way
1: that it works is that when we're having the auction we have our auctioneer up front we have a crowd full of people if it's Mm -hmm. a live sale we also have people that are calling in on the phone Mm -hmm. and then we have up to three different online bidding platforms going at the same time So what I usually do when we're running the auction is I'm at one of those platforms. So when you're sitting at home in your PJs pressing the bid button, (laughs) I'm on the other end, I see June wants to bid, I raise my hand, I bid for you, and we go like that. Oh, I can. Oh,
0: wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you consider some of the other auction houses, like Christie's, are they competitors? To an extent. Mm -hmm. They are probably, you know,
1: there in multiple countries, Mm -hmm. um, Christie's and Sotheby's. I was actually, um, I went and visited them earlier this year for their Asia Week to look at some of their auctions there and look at some of their merchandise. Um, We have worked with collections and collectors where they did say, you know, I am having Christie's and Sotheby's look at this as well. So we do compete to an extent, but um, there are some areas where they're just so well known that, Mm -hmm. you know, if someone's got a multi-million dollar painting, they're probably going to go that way.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. I mean, you're in the game. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, now, the company handles about 30 live and online auctions per year. Is that about right? We have 70 on so, the calendar for this year. I'm series. sorry. I, <laughs> I got that off of something you gave me.
1: We have, you know, it's just every year we're adding more and more. Okay. Um, so for calends we have, I think we have a right around 70, if not a little bit more for this year.
0: That's mm-hmm. very impressive. So if there's 52 weeks in a year, <laughs> weeks, yeah, in a year, you're this is frequent right we're doing that, and that's why we have such
1: we have a smaller staff up here on Warrensville Heights but down in Cincinnati we have over 40 people that are Uh you know either they're going out, they're finding the things mm-hmm. that people have, they're helping
0: evaluating them, they're
1: typing them up, they're photographing them. Yeah, you know, we're going to get into
0: that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. your whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we do need to make note of the owner and principal auctioneer, Wes Cowan, mm-hmm. who has a PhD in anthropology and is a frequent appraiser on Antiques Roadshows since 1997. And and that show is kind of like your America's Got Talent, right?
1: right.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, for... Collectors.
1: Yeah, that is the go-to show for people that are interested in art and antiques. It's got... A very strong following of people uh-huh. and you know we have people that specifically will call us and say I love Wes on the Antiques Road Show <laughs> you know when is he gonna be here I'd love to meet him and yeah a couple of years ago they did have it in Cleveland and he was um, one of the appraisers on that well, show. Wow yeah, so he's sort of mm-hmm. a demi celebrity. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty cool and and pieces are judged kind of like America's Got Talent they're judged they're either you know said this is a value or you know sorry <laughs> <laughs> right go home. <laughs> right and we
1: actually have a number of our staff do work on the show Mm -hmm. and
0: kind of how you cut your
1: teeth on it is your job is kind of crowd control and you see things come in and you direct them to okay you're gonna talk to Wes or you're gonna talk to Eric or whoever you're gonna talk to Mm -hmm. and you kind of can say well I know that's you know that's not really worth a whole lot maybe Mm -hmm. we'll send you over here but you know it's kind of interesting the types of things that people bring in because you're you're limited and you only get to bring you know this one thing what are you gonna bring okay oh Mm -hmm. that's exciting Mm -hmm.
0: So he's also on a
1: PBS series called History Detectives. Right, he was on that show, um, it's no longer on the air, okay. but that was another thing that he was really involved in and another thing that we frequently hear from people how much they love the show. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. there's so much of what the, what we do has such a, uh, you know, the items that come in have these stories behind them. And that's what really makes them interesting and what really helps people to understand where this is coming from. and to the, you know, antiques retro extent, why it's valuable. You know, you might have, I have this exact same thing, but this one used to be in the White House and that's why it's oh. worth more. Or this one, this piece of furniture was brought from Connecticut to the Western Reserve. We you know, we know
0: that and that's why it kinda adds that value. It makes it a more interesting piece. Neat. I didn't I didn't actually even think of that. Uh, how the the uh History behind a piece plays into it. its value. Absolutely, and yeah, we call that um, it's provenance. Okay. Um, so part of it is
1: is that ownership history. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, last year we had a piece of furniture that typically people say, "Oh, well, furniture. It's kind of no one's really buying it anymore." But we always say, you know, there's the best of the very best that's still doing really well, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of the rest. <laughs> so this was one of the best of the very best. Um, it was an antique piece of furniture. The first piece of furniture made in Kentucky, when Kentucky was still the frontier, had descended in the family. We had the entire family history. We could trace it back to the state, and it sold for half a million dollars. Wow. So, having that history behind it and showing mm-hmm. that this is, you know, this oldest piece of furniture is really what the people were interested in and looking for. So, if you have that information, you can really make an interesting story and make the piece more appealing to people that are looking to buy it.
0: I get it. But what was that piece of furniture? Um, it
1: was what we called a, a drop front desk, um, a secretary desk. So it's got the bookcase on top. Mm-hmm. And then it has you fold down the panel. That would be the
0: writing surface yeah. on it. Mm-hmm. And those are cool. Mm-hmm. cool. And it was in good shape, I imagine?
1: It was, you know, we always say when you're looking at a piece of furniture, the first question you want to ask is what's wrong with it? Okay, because you know these are p- things that people live live with. It's going to yeah. have you know chairs going to have scuffs from where people's feet were hitting it, or you were hitting it with the vacuum, or things like <laughs> that. But you know, relatively
0: speaking, considering yeah. its age, it was in good condition. Neat. Okay. Um, now, who are your buyers? I imagine galleries, collectors, interior decorators. Is that...
1: It's really the whole gamut. We have you know individuals that. Um, are just looking for a nice painting for the wall. We have people that specifically collect one type of item. Um, We have one gentleman who's a huge collector of teapots. Mm -hmm. So every time we have a teapot, he's really interested in that. Um, We have dealers that are looking to add to their inventory or they may have a client. For example, I know I have somebody that's looking for antique silver tea set with a tray, Mm -hmm. so you have one, you know, they might be interested in uh, working for them to purchase it for them. Um, We also have institutions,
0: museums buy from us as well, so it's a whole different range of people. Okay, and in terms of price range, um, where, and I don't know if you can answer this, but I'm going to ask. Uh, where are items generally clustered, and then how high can it go?
1: Sure, um we have we sell everything from you know down at the lower end. We may have a three hundred dollar item, mm-hmm. um, but we've sold things for over a million dollars. Our average is around one to five thousand. Um, okay, th- that's good. Considering know. you know we have seventy auctions a year, and you yeah. know two two to five hundred items in an auction. That's okay. usually kind of how it averages out. But at the at the high end, we have sold a number of things, mostly
0: artworks I believe five times now um, that brought over a million dollars nice you know I didn't think to ask uh, how many items so if if you're selling 500 items that's a really long auction (laughs) that must go for six hours or something yes and we've had we go at a pretty
1: good clip um, for our auctioneers you know it's not quite what you might see on TV with the farm auctioneers where they with it you know really quick but Mm -hmm. we do anywhere from 70 to 100 items an hour
0: so we
1: go pretty quickly Mm
0: -hmm. how do you know when you're done you know, how do you know someone would go higher?
1: Well, we usually do, um, when the bidding is going on, you can kind of tell when it starts to slow down. Yeah. Um, and what we do is we give um, what's called a fair warning. So yeah. if you've you know, heard someone say, okay, going once, going twice, sold. And when they hit the hammer down legally, that means that lot has now sold Mm -hmm. because we will have people, especially when we're running the online side of things where they're not in the room, you know, after it's already sold, I see something pop up, you know, that they wanted to place a bid. And I was like, sorry, it's already ended. So it is very quick. Wow. That gets your adrenaline going. It does. It's, you know, if you've (laughs) never been in one before, you know, the first auction that I went to, I was, you know, a little overwhelmed with how quick it was, but Uh then you kind of get used to it. So I always tell people who are first time buyers, I go, You might want to, you know, get there early before the item you're interested in because it might take you a minute to kind of get used to the pace.
0: Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, now, I just want to keep it real here. Yeah. How do you define the difference between an antique and, say, someone's old junky teapot? And, and, and so, you know, everyone's fantasy is to turn trash into treasure. So mm-hmm. how do you distinguish?
1: Sure. Well, the kind of technical definition of what would be considered an antique is something that's 100 years old or older. Mm -hmm. But we also have a big market in this mid-century modern stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So Mad Men kind of furniture, 50s and 60s, that stuff. So that's not technically an antique, but it is something that people are looking to buy, um, and there's a really good market for that. So there are a lot of things, you know, when someone calls us and we're talking to them and they say, I have this really old dining room set I say, well, what does really old mean to you? Because that's a subjective term. I say, oh, God, it's like 40 years old. I say, well, you know, if it's only 40 years old, that's not probably something we're going to be able to help you out with. Because it's not, you know, from the 1900s, 1800s, you know, it's something that, you know, maybe. It's just old. Yeah, it's, it's just old. Not, yeah. And, you know, old does not necessarily mean valuable. Co- or collectible. Right. hmm
0: Okay. So you probably break a lot of hearts. And then we do. It's <laughs> the least favorite part of my job. But. <laughs> but then you make plenty of other people happy. Exactly. When you tell them, yeah, we're interested. And I, and you know, we have so many times ding, where... Ding, 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 ding.
1: Exactly. People <laughs> will bring in, we had a lady, she brought in, um, she had two banker's boxes worth of stuff. And one had all her, what she thought was the really valuable stuff. And it was some, you know, some silver plated pieces and some, you know, China that really we had to tell her, you know, unfortunately this isn't anything that has a lot of value because there's just, people aren't interested in buying it, you know, just mm-hmm. the way the market goes, supply and demand. And then she had another box and she goes, this is just a bunch of old papers, They're old family papers that were in my attic. I don't know if they have anything to do with anything. She goes, I don't want them. So we started leafing through them, our history team. And they're saying, okay, these are these are really interesting. And especially with those sorts of things, you have to read all of it to get all the context. And they start going through it. And it turns out it's a series of letters from one of her ancestors about the capture of Sitting Bull after this little civil war. <laughs> so while she thought that her silver plate items were going to be really valuable, we ended up being able to do a private sale for her of these letters um, and brought, you know, five to ten thousand
0: dollars somewhere in there for her. Wow mm-hmm. okay that's an exciting story day mm-hmm. in her life right. Um, all right well I visited your office and saw um, some older furniture and China sets and artwork um, both contemporary and antique and I just wondered you know how you acquired those pieces whether you know it mostly comes to you or you have to go into the field.
1: It does, there's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have people that um, you can go to our website and just send us a picture and say, hey, I have this painting. Here's how big it is. Here's where I got it from. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, or we have people that will call and say, uh, you know, my mother passed away. She has a house full of stuff. She has mm-hmm. a lot of antiques. You know, it's not anything that my family or my children are interested in. I don't know a lot about it. Can you come out and help me decide what's what? And in that case, we will go out to the house. We'll say, okay, well, we'll make you a list of the things that would do well at auction and then maybe some things that you want to put in a house sale. So we help people okay. kind of decide what's you know, going to be in an auction and do well for them and what isn't. And then we also have where we put out calls for we're going to have an auction in a couple months that's going to be featuring this type of material. If you have it, you know, give yeah. us a call and we'd love to put it in there. How do you put that word out? We have um, a really good mailing list that we send out. Um, both we have a physical mailing list where we mail um, our printed catalogs out to, as well as our email, our e blast list. Is what yeah, we call it is probably okay. the biggest one that we have.
0: How many people are on it? <laughs> well,
1: um, since our um, recent merger with Hyman Actions, it's over hundred thousand people now.
0: Wow. So, just going back to this process, um, you're spending a lot of time in people's basements and attics. It yes. sounds like mm-hmm. in garages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always say, I'm like, is there a barn? Is the you know, yes. do, is there a crawl space I need to be looking yeah. at? Well, you know, I have a friend who's in this business, and she has come across her share of dead mice. Yes. So I think you could probably share that experience. Yes.
1: yes. I've been in a couple homes that in you would consider a hoarder house, mm-hmm. and as you're kind of unpacking things, it's always a little nerve-wracking of what might be behind something mm-hmm. that you're moving.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and some skeletal remains, maybe? You never, never. know what you're
1: going to come across. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, well, to do your job, um, you needed a background in art. So if you could explain how you got to this point, because I know it's not easy finding work in this field. Right. (laughs) And we have,
1: um, so myself personally, I have a master's in art history from Boston University Mm -hmm. and a background working um, in museums. I worked, when I was in Boston, I worked at the Peabody Essex Museum in Salem. And Doing what? Um, I worked with their collections department. Okay. So that's the the group of people that's really managing where the items are and the information that goes along with okay. them. Um, they're also the people that if you're putting together an exhibit where you're going to be borrowing pieces mm-hmm. from other museums, okay. you're going to be working with those people. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did there. Um, and then I'd also worked with the American Art Curator at the Cleveland Museum of Art. I had worked in their education department as well. Um, And then I was an educator for a while at the Western Reserve Historical Society here. So a couple different um, experiences working with the public, working with historic objects. In the Mm -hmm. case of the Western Reserve, also working with a whole historic house that we interpreted for people. Um, So that kind of gave me a good good background of not only kind of the academic knowledge of having You know gone to school for this But then also a practical knowledge of working with physical objects and working with people and being able to Interpret that for them, Mm -hmm. but we have a lot of people that work with us um, that have a variety of backgrounds We do have a lot of people that have come from the museum world. We have people that have degrees in art um, a lot of history um, majors as well. Uh, our jewelry specialists are certified geologists. It's a special program you have to go through so that you can, look. you know, basically it's saying you can look at a diamond and say whether it's a diamond or not. Um, so that's a different special specialty training.
0: Yeah, well just I want to dovetail on this. Um, there are lots of specializations. As you know, my friend in this business, I've learned a little bit from her, you can specialize in wine yes. and, and, and um, appraise a bottle. Mm-hmm. You can specialize in furs I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. For for their value. Right. So this gets real uh, specific.
1: Right. And that's one of the great things about having such a large group of people we can fall back on is if I have something very specialized, Uh, Mm -hmm. for example. A couple years ago, we had a collection of what are called mechanical banks. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're these antique iron banks that you, know, you put a coin in and you press a button, and you know it's a dog or something, and the dog like shoots the coin into the bank or something like that. And they're really collectible. And it just so happens that the former president of the Antique Mechanical Bank Collectors <laughs> of America lives in Solon. Oh, so when we got this collection, we called him up, and he is so expert, he goes, okay, well, you're going to want to mention that it has you know, this wrong with it, or you know, this one, even though this, these are the exact same bank, this one is blue, so that's more valuable than this one. Mm-hmm. And just these things that unless you are in it actively collecting, mm-hmm. you would never know. Yeah. So we have a lot of people that... Um, wild. It's wild. It's, yeah. It's like, who could ever imagine? Exactly. So I always tell people, I say, you know, I know a little about a lot of things, mm-hmm. but most importantly, I know who to ask.
0: There you go, mm-hmm. bingo. <laughs> I know pianos falls into a, a special area of specialization too, right? To evaluate yes.
1: mm-hmm. the
0: worth of a piano,
1: right? And musical instruments in general.
0: Yeah, um, okay.
1: We have a gentleman. Um, we see a lot of violins mm-hmm. in our business. Um, so we have a gentleman that specifically that is his business is selling antique violins. So we refer to him for any of those
0: things. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what are some of your favorite items that have passed through the office here?
1: Well, I, since, because of my background in art, um, and specifically, I do love the Cleveland artists, what's called the Cleveland School. Mm-hmm. So these are artists that were coming out of the Cleveland Institute of Art or teaching there as well from the 20s and 30s. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so we've had a number of their artworks. We just picked up last week a beautiful um, Joseph Osicki painting, mm-hmm. and his paintings can sell for a couple thousand dollars. I mean, what about Schreckengast? Is that Sh- yeah, Schreckengast is another well-known, both um, as a Cleveland artist, but he also has an international following, right. and so we frequently um, see his works that come in as well. Mm-hmm. But really, the, we're kind of a, a feeder office for things that come in that are going to go to our history auctions or American Indian. Okay. And we had this woman brought in. It was this beautiful gold brooch with an eagle on it, adorned with all these different multicolored precious stones. And she brought it in, and she said, well, you know, I w- was a caretaker for this older woman. Um, she left this to me. She always thought it was really valuable. I don't really know anything about it. And our jewelry specialist was looking at it. He said, well, you know, there are some things about this that are kind of setting off some alarm bells for me. He goes
0: In a good way or a bad way? In a good way. Okay. He goes, I'm
1: seeing what looks like some Russian marks here. He goes, he's like, I, I don't know for sure. He's like, but let me check with somebody mm-hmm. who I know, you know, reaching out to this network of experts who specializes specifically in Russian jewelry. Mm-hmm. So he um, takes some pictures of it. And he starts communicating with this gentleman. He sends him the pictures. He says, you know, I think this could be really good. I want to get your feedback on it. And this gentleman gets the pictures, calls Wes Cowan, goes around him, and says, I understand you have this piece. I would like to buy it from you. Uh. So, because it turns out it was Fabergé. Oh, man. so we ended up selling it for this woman for I think somewhere in the field of like thirty to fifty thousand dollars Wow! that she had no idea what it was and so you know I had the opportunity mm. to hold this piece and yeah. to look at it yeah. and really you know get to that's the great thing about this auction business as opposed to working in a museum you, know, you get to hold and touch things and really have that intimate experience with it and mm-hmm. get to look and see how is this put together and really appreciate the craftsmanship that goes into a lot of these things we sell.
0: It almost sounds like you're in the treasure business. Pretty
1: much. Treasure hunting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of the game. Um, you know, sometimes we don't know, you know, someone will call us because they want us to look at their, you know, dining room furniture, and then it turns out they've got this fabulous art collection. <laughs> or you go into the basement and you say, "Oh, what's all this?" Go, "Oh, well, those—that's all my mom's old stuff. It's not worth anything, and it's all this wonderful little treasures packed away in boxes."
0: Wow. Okay, but what if an item never sells? What do you do with those things?
1: That does happen. Um, So sometimes it's just, you know, you didn't get the right eyeballs on it or, you know, the market for that has suddenly changed. So usually we will try to offer it again. And sometimes we'll have, you know, we'll offer a piece again and it goes for more than what we had estimated it for to begin with, Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Um, But sometimes, you know, we just have these pieces that maybe there's, you know, it hasn't been repaired or there's something to it that really people aren't interested in buying it, which does happen. Um, And those pieces, you know, we can talk to the owner and say, you know, would you like to have this back and just enjoy it? Or sometimes they say, you know, um, I don't really, maybe they've moved into assisted living or downsized or something like that. And they say, you know, I really don't have the space for this anymore i really like somebody um, to be able to enjoy this, and then we might work with them um, as a donation to, you know, if
0: they have a specific charity that they wanted to benefit, we might work with them on that as well. Okay, so you're not, I didn't realize this, you're not actually buying the items up front, it's almost like consignment, where they get the money on the back end. Yeah, it is a consignment, so yeah, we don't purchase things, um, we do consignment
1: auctions, Mm -hmm. and then we also, um, we work with people, and we do some private treaty sales as well. What does that mean? So a private treaty sale is when there is something of such, such importance or such high value that to put it at auction, it would make more sense for us to specifically look for buyers and work as a you know kind of the middleman for that the private sale. Right. Yeah. So we were approached um, by the descendants of Meriwether Lewis a number of years ago from Lewis and Clark,
0: hmm.
1: who had his presentation tomahawk that was given to him and made the entire voyage of discovery out to the west and back and had descended in his family mm-hmm. since then and it had extraordinary um, provenance that we were talking about, had the paperwork, it had the history to it, we could prove it absolutely and we were contacted because of our role in the American history collectible market they wanted us to work with them to sell it. And they were concerned, since it is a piece of American history, they didn't want you know, a European or overseas buyer to get it. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want to put it at public auction. So we worked with them. We, you know, because of what we do, we knew the people that would be interested in it. Mm-hmm. And we worked with them to um, get a sale for them that ended
0: up selling for over a million dollars. <laughs> wow. That's so exciting. Uh, all right. So now you're making me think there must be uh, scammers out there that yes. g- cross your threshold.
1: <laughs> yes, and there are, believe it or not, you know, there are people that are trying to pass fake items that are, if they were real, were still only worth a couple hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So there are people that are, you know, just trying to make a buck anyway that they can. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we rely on such a large team of experts. And, you know, one of the things that's also important if you're dealing with an auction house is that you want to look at their terms of sale and make sure that they do offer a money back guarantee. If you get something and you say, hey, you said this was one thing. I'm the foremost expert in it. It's not. You have to be working with somebody that says, you know, that's, you know, that happens. Yeah. So we've we've had, um, you know, some people try to pass some stuff through mm-hmm. us, um, mm-hmm. but luckily, because of not only our huge staff of experts, but also just the people that we know and trust, that when we publish an auction online, they'll call us and say, hey, you know, this isn't what you think it is. You know, whoever gave this to you is trying to pull one over on you. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, now what types of things sell the fastest, would you say?
1: Um, I don't know if I would say things that sell the fastest, um, but things that sell the best and things that we would say, you know, there's almost a 100% guarantee that this will sell. Um, Sterling silver, so your, you know, grandma's silverware. Um, Or a silver teapot Those things will always sell no matter what And part of that is because The silver does have a value to it It's a precious metal Mm -hmm. So those things will always sell Um, Same goes for Excuse me Same goes for um, On the other end you know, Gold jewelry or things like that Um, As long as there's not too high of an estimate on it Mm -hmm. Those are things that are very desirable Um, And then also Like I mentioned that mid-century modern furniture If it's An exceptional piece in good condition, and you have the right estimate on it, you know, it's almost a
0: guarantee it's gonna sell. Okay, now I may wind up cutting this question out. I don't know, but I'm going out on a limb here, and you may, I hope I'm not gonna offend you, but technically, what is the difference with some of those types of pieces between you and a pawn shop?
1: Sure, Um, so I don't, you know, I I can't say I've ever gone to (laughs) a pawn shop, you know, and really had that experience, but we are more high-end. Okay. We have a marketing department that, you know, we are putting things online, we are putting together a cura- curated catalog. Mm-hmm. So we're not taking, you know, there are people that bring things in and yes they do have value but they don't fit into what we necessarily do. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, we do sell some antique toys from the teens or 20s, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to sell your bean babies. Okay. You know, even yeah, though yeah, there right. might be some value for that or, yeah. you know, not necessarily your old Barbie dolls and things okay. like that. Yeah. Um, so we really try to put together a curated sales. So the people that are coming to us to buy things know that we are only offering the best. You okay. know, we're not just selling anything we can make a dime on.
0: Yeah. Okay, you handled it really well. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Um. Is there anything that I haven't covered that you think uh, listeners would be... Interested in knowing about your business. Um, sure we can talk a little bit about um,
1: Just how it all works yeah. if someone's never been to an auction before yeah. uh, We do offer um, some different events where we do it's called auction 101 and we yeah. kind of teach people how to Come to an auction because it can be intimidating, yeah. you know If you've never been to one before so many people are so used to going into a store There is a price tag on it, and that's what the price is and mm-hmm. at the auction. That's not necessarily the truth
0: so, but there's a starting bid, so you know exactly. what you're getting into a Right, bit. Okay. right.
1: So we put, um, when someone brings an item to us, we'll use a painting for example, um, we put an initial estimated value on it. Mm-hmm. And the way that we come to that value is we look at the artwork, we say, okay, this is a painting... By so and so, it's a landscape. It's roughly you know twenty four inches by thirty six inches, and then we have several databases that track sales records. At so comps, options.
0: you're essentially getting comps exactly. like you would with a house. Exactly. Okay.
1: We would come up with comps for that, mm-hmm. and we would say, "Look, um, you know, let's say the last half a dozen times this is sold, it's been in the three to five thousand dollar range. That's the estimate we're going to put on it."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so then we write it up, we get it photographed, goes um, into our catalog, we publish it online. Uh, and then we have the auction, and we put um, everything in the auction gets lotted by putting it in numerical order. You know, start with lot number one, and we go all the way through. And the item will start bidding at half of whatever that low estimate is. So okay. even though we said we anticipate this selling for three to five thousand dollars. It could sell at $1,500.
0: So those are the low ballers hoping to get a deal. Yeah, and yeah. you'll have,
1: you know, Nothing wrong with that. You know, and yeah. we always you know, say, um, you know, we need at least two people who want it
0: to okay. compete
1: with each other, yeah. to really bid it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you do have the people, as soon as you post the actions, people that go through and they put all those, you know, low bids on there, but mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're the people that get it started for us. Yeah. You know, so you, it could sell below estimate. It could sell for $4,000, they could sell it for $10,000, right? you know, and sometimes something will happen where there's this item and it's just going crazy. We had an Asian auction in January and we had this vase that we valued at three to $500 that went for like, I think it probably go for $100,000. Wow. And we talked to some of the people that were bidding on it We said, you know, obviously there's something about this vase that you know that we don't. Yeah. And even though it was unsigned, when a number of people, we had a gentleman fly in from Japan to look at this piece, and he said, you know, this isn't signed, but it has all the hallmarks of being by this certain artist, and this is a very rare, and it was a pretty large vase for the artist, he goes, this is, you know, a really unusual piece, he goes, and that's why you're having everyone kind of fight over it, so, you know, there is that value, you know, if you're going on the buyer's end, you know, there's that value that we put on it that you could be paying less Mm -hmm. or more, just depending on, you know, how many other people want it and how badly they want it.
0: Well, it's a very exciting process, I have to say. I didn't think that deeply before, but, you know, having this conversation, I'm like, wow, this is high drama, Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, really neat. Well, we're so happy to have you here, to have such a neat business in our midst, and I appreciate your time. Well, thank you very much. It was uh, great to be on the podcast, Mm -hmm. and we're glad to be here in Warrensville Heights.